Life Audio. As all of your listeners know, when you lose a loved one, then it's easy for hope to die with the person who died. And so one of the hardest things that I told myself was you did not, I did not die when my daughter died. And I would say that to myself, you did not die when your daughter died. Therefore, God still has a plan for you. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to quiet anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience His freedom. I would love to connect with you online or to speak at your next event. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with me. Before I launch into today's discussion, I wanted to invite you to some powerful Lent experiences designed to help you more deeply connect with Christ. The first is hosted by the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast, where beginning February 14th, my team and I will be leading you chronologically on a journey through Christ's death to his resurrection. And for my newsletter subscribers, make sure to visit your subscriber's exclusive folder to download a correlating daily Bible reading plan. Finally, I wanted to invite you to join me on Facebook or Instagram for short inspirational video messages also during Lent that I hope will be especially encouraging for those who've experienced deep soul wounds. You'll find links to my Instagram and Facebook page along with a newsletter sign-up link in the show notes. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Author Hal Lindsey wrote, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. When life feels uncertain and daunting, it's far too easy to believe and to feed the lie that our hardship will never end, that despite what scripture states, good does not lie ahead for us, but such thoughts, those only lead to further discouragement, anxiety, and fear. We must cultivate and cling to true biblical hope in order to break free from that self-defeating downward spiral that's tempting us to give up. And I recognize how hard that can be to hold on to. And if you find yourself in that place where you're really struggling to maintain hope, then I know you're going to be encouraged with my conversation with author, speaker, and podcast host, Rachel Wojo. Praise God, she agreed to join me for today's discussion, and I know you're going to benefit from her insights. Rachel, thank you for joining us. 
Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I am thrilled to be here. This conversation is right up my alley. Rachel Wojo is an author, a public speaker, and a podcaster who hosts Bible reading challenges on her popular blog, rachelwojo.com. Her biblical approach and life circumstances influence women to find strength and hope in everyday situations. Rachel's journey includes losing her mother to leukemia, her adult special needs daughter to a rare neurologically degenerative disease, and her father to illness. She is the author of One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up, and scheduled to release a new book, Desperate Prayers, Embracing the Power of Prayer in Life's Darkest Moments, both of which I know to our listeners will really benefit you if you're struggling through hardships. Mostly, Rachel is crazy in love with Matt, mom to six on earth and two in heaven. And scripture talks a lot about the importance of holding tight to hope. And I am curious and intrigued in my own journey how cultivating an attitude of hope can help us specifically try to quiet our anxiety and fear. And as we try to increase our godly confidence, I know this is a subject that you're well versed in and you've gone through, you had to have experienced times of intense anxiety with everything that you've gone through. How did hope help you with that? I believe I had a lot of practice (laughs) when your child that you have dreamed of, waited for, who just happened to be blessed enough to have twins born born underneath me so that I could foster that mom spirit. And when my daughter was born and she had special needs right away, then it became very clear that it it would be a long journey before we received her diagnosis. And upon that diagnosis, when the doctor tells you that your child has a limited amount of time to live and that there is no cure or no treatment for your child's disease, then it just opens your eyes wide to why am I here and what are we doing, God? So holding on to hope and learning how to do that was all the survival I had. I know that many people who are listening will understand when you have physically watched people suffer and even die, and especially those you love, then it is definitely challenging to figure out where does my hope come from in this situation because it seems very hopeless. But holding on to my faith in God and knowing, training myself over numbers of years to know God's promises and to know the hope that he held for us, then that was really the main way that I understood that he was near and that he was going to keep us strengthened and and help us to be able to continue. As all of your listeners know, when you lose a loved one, then it's easy for hope to die with the person who died. And so one of the hardest things that I told myself was you did not, I did not die when my daughter died. And I would say that to myself, you did not die when your daughter died. Therefore, God still has a plan for you. And that was just a little seed at the very beginning of loss in order to propel me forward. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love how you really clung to truth. Hebrews 11, it tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. And then the author spends the rest of the chapter really discussing how the belief in God's promises, how it enabled people throughout history, you know, combining faith and hope together, right? That assurance of what God's promised us. He spends the rest of the chapter describing how that has helped God's people endure some really difficult circumstances. Then it skips to chapter 12. And this is one of my my favorite when it talks about how Jesus, our Savior, he endured the cross for the joy set before him. And I know we could expand on numerous episodes discussing like what all that joy encompassed, but it really makes me think about connecting faith, assurance, promises, what's what's ahead, what we know is ahead, to think that gave Jesus the strength to endure. And then he's our our model. And then I hear that in what you said as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking forward to heaven and being reunited with our loved ones. Sometimes I let my imagination go wild and and try to picture what that looks like. And of course, it's impossible, but there will be much joy when we see their healed bodies and their healed minds and um, the life that they have been living that we can't really comprehend right now. So yeah, for sure. I, I love that piece of for the joy set before him, for what's coming in the future, for how God wants to use our brokenness and our our craziness to bring hope to others. Right. And I also think about how all of the different things he's promised, which assures us that our hardship, whatever we endure today is not going to win, right? That, that hope itself is going to win. That's really good. Yeah. Hope wins in, in the end when we see the victory that Jesus had on the cross and then the fact that he was raised from the dead and ascended to his father. And I, I just think about how all of that he did because he is the creator and the victor. And so when we get tied up in the circumstances of life, trying to take a glimmer of hope from that big picture, I think is really important. And of course, our minds can't comprehend all of it by any means, but little, little snippets of just thinking about the resurrection of Jesus or thinking about how he sits at the right hand of God right now, or thinking about how he gave himself for us, how much love he has for us. All of those little nuggets can be pieces of hope that we hold on to. Right. And the power that's available to us today, you know, yes. for, for the listeners who, those who maybe they're like, I don't know that I have hope that it's going to get better. Scripture promises us that the abundant life, that's how scripture refers to it in John 10, 10. It's not just for when we get to heaven, right? The abundant life is meant for us today. Joy, peace. And I, I will say, I do have to pause here when I mention joy. I believe biblical joy is not an emotional state as much as the deep awareness of God, of the working of God's grace. That's, that's where that comes from. And hope just, I loved what you said about allowing yourself to imagine, and you were specifically talking about imagining heaven 
but I wonder if we can even cultivate hope in tomorrow or maybe a year from now or Mm -hmm. five years from now by imagining ourselves less anxious, maybe, or laughing with, with friends that were laughing or, or with maybe, you know, God doesn't necessarily promise if we're in a really challenging relationship, it takes two to get healthy and to get better, right. For, for a really strong relationship. He doesn't necessarily promise that this particular relationship is going to be amazing, but he does promise relational fulfillment. And so imagining, okay, if I do my part and I get as healthy as I can be, I can experience healthier, more fulfilling, and therefore more pleasant, more pleasurable mm-hmm. relationships in the future. Or even with, with you, you've experienced loss, but that doesn't mean his blessings are over for you, right? Mm. His goodness is over. No, I think it's all the more important to count those blessings. And, you know, sometimes... I mean, my husband and I look back on the journey that we've been on over the years and sometimes laughing about the silliest little things was the glimmer of hope that we needed at that moment, because it was either laugh or sit down and bawl your eyes out, you know, and so just making the choice to see some of the comedic relief that happened along the way was a wonderful way to be able to hold on to hope. Yeah. So you, it sounds like you intentionally cultivated hope and it's, it's interesting. The scientific world correlates with what scripture says in that hope is a very powerful, it it makes us more resilient. It can help those who are fighting addiction to kind of maintain, to keep fighting forward. They've even found those who are struggling with depression, even if just every once in a while, they believe recovery is possible that can give them that that little bit of hope can help them in their recovery journey to pursue help from others maybe to go to therapy to keep doing the hard work that helps to to cultivate kind of increased more positive outlook or more positive feelings and we've talked in this podcast in the past and we've had some neuroscientists come on that talk about how what we do changes our brain, right? Right. So the more we give into fear, the more we feed our, and fear and anxiety is natural in a lot of circumstances. So I'm not, I'm not discounting and saying it's, it's a sin to be afraid or anxious, but we can make fear our default setting and, and feed it and, and therefore strengthen it. And, and then we begin to feel defeated or we can begin to cultivate a practice of hope, which I'm sure that even when you had hope, that didn't take your sorrow and anxiety and fear away, right? I think um, what you're talking about is what I often refer to as a sort of a balance beam, because you you have this choice of leaning either way, right? When something gets too far off on the hope scale, then you can lean more towards the positive and grasping at what could be true, what tomorrow could look like, what the change could be. Or on the other side, you can just say, well, I'm never going to make it. It's, you know, and that script in your head of that ticker tape of whatever is running in your head is so vital to holding on to hope. 
So absolutely everything that you just said, I really believe all of those studies on neuroplasticity and and what happens in our brains and how we can literally rewire our brains. It's amazing to think about. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. There is a little bit of mental work that we have to do. And so many of us are impatient with ourselves. It's interesting. The conversation I just had yesterday with someone was that I am so tired of having a little bit of a limitation between what I'm thinking and what I need to say. Before I experienced Taylor's death, I was a very fast thinking person and I could give direction and speak just as quickly as I could think. And so it was it was a great combination. It kept me in charge more or less of, of what was happening. And after Taylor's death, because of the trauma, I felt immediately this disconnect between my brain and what would come out of my mouth. It would be so, and it, and initially the fog was so bad that not only could I not speak, but I could barely think. I felt like I was always behind in my thinking. And I will say I'm four years out and the thinking is great. And I can type 10 times faster than I can talk. I still have this little bit of a disconnect between how long it takes something to get from my brain out of my mouth. Now, if you give me a typewriter or a journal, I'm good to go. <laughs> but it, I know that there will be someone listening who is saying, oh my gosh, that happens to me. And so the work of day in and day out, continuing to practice and not getting discouraged because it's not coming back right away. It's a healing. And that healing, we all want want the blind man kind of miracle, right? Where it's just instantaneous. But the word healing is actually a progressive word. It means in progress. And so I think what happens many times with anxiety and fear situations is that the healing starts to take 
place and there's a scab and then something bigger happens. And instead of allowing the scab to absorb that issue, we rip the scab off. We get scared and we rip the scab off. And so then we're starting over again. I do want our listeners to to know we're not saying don't grieve, right? We're not saying don't feel your emotions. We're saying grieve them, feel with hope. Remembering what is true. That's why I really liked your balance beam. You want to be balanced between allowing yourself to feel your emotions, to process through them, but also having that strong foundation in hope. And I'm reminded, and this this will, especially for many of our listeners, you talk about healing being progressive. So is trust. Mm -hmm. And trust in God is very progressive. You're not going to all of a sudden tomorrow say, hey, now because I read this in scripture, all of a sudden I believe this is absolutely true for me. You might actually believe it in your head, but struggle in the day-to-day to really have that resonate in your soul. I like how you mentioned that progressive aspect, and I'm just reminded that our Savior is so gentle, right? And and so patient. And also I'm reminded that we don't create this hope in ourselves, right? Like we can cultivate it, we can hold tight to it, we can do all of the spiritual disciplines. And for those, so when I say spiritual disciplines, all of those, those activities, that can help us to grow closer to Christ. But really our hope has to come from God, right? Yeah. When I recognize that my hope truly is in Christ, and that is where I can be delivered. That is where the deliverance is. And so not only did he suffer and die for me and give me that opportunity to have hope as my savior, but he also gives me hope for living day by day. And that's what you mentioned earlier. And that reminds me of Romans 15, 13, which it says, may the God of hope, so he's the God of hope, the source Mm -hmm. is in him, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Mm -hmm. just reminds me as we, as best as we're able, just step closer to him and build our relationship with him, he then progressively grows that hope within us. Yes. Yes. That's good for sure. And I've seen that in my own life. I think the way to grasping that true hope is it requires discipline. It requires that everyday connection with God and spending time in prayer spending time in his word, being disciplined enough to where you have a small structured time, but then also disciplined enough to where throughout your day, you are having an open conversation with God and that you're open to the circumstances, the people that he places on your path, because you never know who is going to knock on your door and bring some hope to you. As we're learning to to recognize his voice, to respond to him, to recognize his presence, right? And then to really sit in his presence as we're learning to do all of those things, whether we're aware of it or not, he is speaking truth into our souls. Like mm-hmm. we, scripture says, if we have trusted in Christ for salvation, then we have the mind of Christ and, and that's progressive as well. But there's something that happens. And I want to say specifically 
to those who they're like, I don't know if I can hear God. I don't know if I can feel him. And especially, you know, to our listeners who maybe come, are coming out of a, a religious cult or from religious abuse, that's going to be really confusing for you. But like Rachel's talking about, just keep showing up, do the best you can, just keep stepping mm-hmm. forward. God is your good shepherd. He is responsible for making sure you can hear him. He is responsible for growing your intimacy with him. You're just responsible for showing up as best as you can. And as we do that, he reminds us of those truths that we read in scripture that maybe we've heard on the radio maybe we've heard from a pastor, maybe we've heard on a a podcast. He reminds us of those truths when we really need like an extra burst of hope. Yes. I'm intrigued by how often God will give us nuggets of truth, like kind of promises for what's ahead before the difficult circumstances come. So for those of you who listened to my episode with Max Lucado, he discussed a man named Jacob and including what a scoundrel he could be. He was a dysfunctional father who created a dysfunctional, toxic family that resulted in sibling rivalry, jealousy, and eventually hatred. Once their father gave one of his sons, Joseph, his favorite kid, a glorious robe. Well, sometime later, Joseph received a recurring dream that he would one day rise to a position of leadership. Unfortunately, he shared this dream more than once with his already wounded and jealous brothers, and they responded by overpowering him, throwing him into a cistern, and then selling him into slavery. Joseph was then carted off to Egypt, a journey that could have killed him, and sold to one of Pharaoh's officials. He was then falsely accused of sexual assault and thrown into an Egyptian dungeon where he remained for some time. Scripture tells us numerous times through that whole period that God was with him. And I wonder when he was in the dungeon or even when he was in slavery or when he was walking across on his way to Egypt, I wonder how often he remembered or how often God reminded him of those dreams that he had and if that gave him hope to continue. There are multiple times in the Bible where God gave, he prepared his people or a Bible character for something that was to come and gave them something to hold on to, a glimmer of hope to hold on to. And then they went through a very dark place. And then we know that on the other side of that dark place, they found the victory. Either whatever God had promised was was done. God is always working. My friend Sharon Janes always says that just know that in the meanwhile, God is doing something worthwhile. And I love holding on to that. Years ago, my husband and I, when we were first married, our marriage was such a mess. And when we were in Southern California and my husband, he he worked for the railroad and he had multiple shops that he was managing and just a lot of stress, a lot of conflict in our marriage. And God said something to me at that time. Basically, he said, sometimes things must get worse before they get better. And it was one of those, it hit me so hard that I knew that he was speaking to me the only problem, Rachel, I didn't really hold on to that. Like I, it was kind of like a, huh, okay. And then we moved on. And after that, we went through a really challenging, really painful, a lot of moves, a lot of transition, financial insecurity, just so much, really some really difficult circumstances that at the time it felt like I was in a dungeon, I guess, or abandoned. I was, but 
what I didn't realize and what made that season so painful, God was doing things within me. He was bringing up some gunk from some past experiences that I had that were deeply affecting my marriage and squashing my hope really and and creating a sense of fear ongoing. And he was bringing me to, he was healing our marriage, transforming and healing our marriage. And he was bringing me to a deeper place of healing. And I often look back like, what if I would have really held tight to that first nugget? God carried me through anyway. But I wonder if it wouldn't have felt so dark in the meantime. Right. I think that is why I'm such a proponent of journaling, because if you have one of those nuggets, documenting it in some way is so important, whether you purchase some little object to help you remember what happened, or you write it down in a journal, or you put a plaque on your wall, or just so many ways that you can make a tangible reminder of that hope. I experienced this early on as well. And I was afraid at night because my husband worked night shift and I had the special needs daughter who had to be helped with everything. And I had four other children at home and I would lay down in bed at night thinking, okay, if there's a fire, how will I get everyone out? And those thoughts would just overtake me. And I had scripture cards that I had printed off. And there were many times where I would read them card by card before I would lay down at night. And then there were some times it was so bad that I wanted to remember exactly what it said on the card, but I was so tired and dysfunctional that I would literally just put my Bible under my pillow. And when I felt like I just was waking up and I couldn't, you know, couldn't breathe, couldn't think, and I would hold on to my Bible and I would just pray. I would just hold on to it and say, Lord, I want to remember your promises. My brain won't work right now. I can't recall them one by one, but I know you are there. And it sounds really trivial, like, Hanging on to your Bible and praying help you in those moments. But in those moments where I didn't even have God's word enough in me to where I could bring it back up and recall it, those moments were still very hope filled because I was resting in his hope. And who he was, the God of hope, which goes back to Romans 15. Another aspect of our hope, and I've heard you mention in the past of how you and your husband really clung together, right? When you were in your season of despair, human connection plays a huge part in hope. And this goes back to Dr. Kurt Thompson, and he was on our podcast back, I don't know, maybe I think back in the fall. And he said the human brain can do really hard things for a really long time so long as it doesn't have to do them alone. And then in a seminar that I attended, he actually came and spoke at my church. He explained from a spiritual and from a brain science perspective, how our resiliency, our peace, and our joy increase when we feel seen, known, accepted, and loved. And I would also say when we connect with others, especially if they're healthy and if they're spiritually mature, they remind us who we are. They remind us what we're capable of. They remind us of who God is, what he can, what he will do through and for us. You feel like you and your husband did that for each other. For sure. But also I would say that, you know, you don't know this part of our story maybe, but we had this rare metabolic disorder that no one knew about. And this was back in the day when you went out and posted on a forum 
and you hoped that maybe another special needs parent would come by and and comment about your question. It wasn't where, you know, there was no social media back at that time. And so it was a very a different way of communicating. And God connected us to a, a clinic. One day the clinic called us and said, we have another family who's been diagnosed with your disease, with Taylor's disease. Would you be willing to meet with them? And we became friends with them. And then we realized, wait a minute, there are a lot more of us. And so we started to host an annual gathering where all the families in the state who had children with our Taylor's disease could come and connect with others. And there was so much power in being together. There was so much strength and hope in being together and being families together who fought this. So I 100% can back everything that you just said in connecting with people. And it can be really challenging. People have unique circumstances. It can be very challenging to step out and link arms with other people. But I would just encourage you, you know, maybe you're someone who um, you say, I'm homebound and I can't, you know, I have agoraphobia or I have, you know, some of these other types of fears and I can't even step outside of my door. Try to connect with a group online. Try to um, reach out to maybe just a couple of people in your neighborhood community to where you start to get to know your neighbors and you develop relationships there. But any any way that you can connect with others is powerful. I completely affirm everything that you just shared. I would also suggest to our listeners, so Holy Love Ministries has a Faith Over Fear Facebook group. And so I would invite Uh you, it's a private group. I would invite you to join and not just join. There's power in actually being part of the community. So don't just come and just kind of watch, engage with others, get to know them, let them get to know you a little bit and then you can start to form mm-hmm. some of those we we make sure it's a safe environment so this might be one of the safest environments that, that you as you're taking some of those first steps i was also rachel as i was preparing just for our conversation i read a book by craig grishel i think it was from a long time ago where he was just really raw and honest with some of his when he went through seasons where he did not feel like like he was barely holding tight to hope and he really encouraged readers to allow themselves to wrestle. And he demonstrated why when we're in difficult and painful situations, we have to allow ourselves to wrestle with God. But then he said, and I think this is back to your balance beam. Maybe I'll just keep referencing that because it's so good. He, he encourages not to, to see our wrestling, to, to remember that our wrestling is just a part of our journey, not our destination. Because he wrote, quote, after you've laid bare your hurts and your questions, After you've exhausted yourself pounding against his chest, against God's chest, then listen, open your hurting heart to him and he will speak. Yes, absolutely. I've encountered that in my own life for sure. One particular day, I'll just share this story. One particular day, I was sitting in Taylor's room and I was caring for her and the sun was shining beautifully outside. 
And I had no assistance with her that particular day. So I couldn't really go outside. She couldn't go outside. I couldn't get her down the steps. It was just this dilemma of we're stuck in this room for today. And I just remember um, being so angry at God and looking out the window and saying, Lord, you just don't know what it's like to watch your child suffer and die. And I was so mad and I just wanted to like, you know, if I could have, I would have reached out and shaken God. I was just so angry. And I paused after letting all of that out in prayer and just saying that to him. I paused and I felt him very clearly say to me, yes, I do. I watched my son suffer and die for you. And so I fully agree that if you allow yourself to be spent and experience that wrestling, you will receive answer from him, whether it's through his Holy Spirit speaking into you, whether it's through um, he uses all sorts of ways to speak to us. And so just opening yourself up and being willing to hear what he has to say to you in those moments is huge for developing your hope and having that structured of faith to hold on to. Yeah, I I heard a woman, she once talked about her and her adult daughter were going through a really difficult time and she was praying that God would fix it, right? Like Mm -hmm. she was wanting and and she was feeling like God wasn't listening. And so she wrestled with God and she sensed him saying to her, like she's wanting an answer to this one problem. And he kind of redirected the conversation. He said to her, I'm bringing you to a place where criticism doesn't hurt so deeply. So where you can be whole and healthy, no matter how others respond. And I wanted to add that for both whether you're going through a really, really, really painful season, like Rachel mentioned, where you feel completely alone and like God doesn't see you. That's beautiful. He can say, hey, I see you where you're at and I, and I get your pain. And, and what a beautiful, just that must have been really comforting in that moment to feel like. And it's something I'll never forget. You know, you mentioned earlier about how you just you want to hold on to those those stories, those moments. And, and it's, it's something I'll never forget because I really had this smack in the face realization that I am not the only person who has struggled with this. And not only am I not the only person, but God himself gave up his son so that others would have hope so that his children could be brought home to him. And so just that full picture moment of understanding that this is not the end. This is only a part of the, the yeah. story. This is one little chapter and maybe even one little paragraph. Right. In that right. Chapter. And that's a good reminder, I think, for all of us. And this has been such a great conversation. I think as we think about just his big picture nature, right? And I just want to close with encouraging our listeners, wherever you're at, I think one of the best steps you can take is just to increase your sense of awe for God, your trust. Just keep taking those steps forward in your trust towards him, giving yourself permission to wrestle with him, being honest with your emotions. But don't uh, but but remember to hold tight to truth as well. I think that's when otherwise our emotions can become can feel so overwhelming and we were not destined 
to feel overwhelmed, we were destined for hope. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your your heart and your story and your wisdom and your insights. And tell us again about, so you actually have two books that I think would be very beneficial for our listeners. You, you referenced one. I do have a book, One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up. That book um, really is about understanding how to hold on to hope and how to move forward in hard things just a little at a time and gives you a lot of scriptural encouragement to run to God's word when that discouragement first hits. And um, so hopefully that will be a great resource for your listeners. I do have um, another book releasing in October of 2024. Congrats. That will be a book about prayer and the title is Desperate Prayers, Embracing the Power of Prayer in life's darkest moments. So I'm excited to share that book with the world. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, share a little bit about it today. It's coming soon. Yeah, well, that's exciting. And I'm I'm thinking back to when you said that God reminded you or you reminded yourself that you didn't die with your daughter. And look at just the life that God is creating through you and just that ripple effect. And, And I think that's really a beautiful way we see him bringing beauty to really painful circumstances. Yes, yes. Beauty for ashes, for yes. sure. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.